0: Hey everybody! This is Perch, and I'm here with uh, with Joe Corolla. How are you doing, Joe? Hi, I'm alright, Perch. How are you? I'm doing great. We've got a very special guest here, uh, somebody who's written, um, I mean, more than a thousand comics, and and certainly a lot of my favorites, uh, Paul Kupperberg. How how are you doing today?
1: Well, I'm eating i um, I'm eating a Cadbury Easter egg, so Perfect. I'm pretty good. Um, <laughs> I'm doing well, thank you. And yourself?
0: doing very well. We're really grateful to get to talk to you and uh somebody who's who's really been a major part of the industry and and uh like I said written so many books. Uh yep. over your over kind of your your career, you're doing some new stuff now. We're going to talk about that as well, but Sure. Um uh, but but yeah, I tell us you got started uh pretty pretty early in your career with uh with DC.
1: Well, I actually started um uh at Charlton Comics.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: In fact, today, uh, while we're recording this, uh, uh, on April 3rd, uh, is my 46th uh, pro-versary. Uh, hey. uh, I made my first sale on this date in 1975. Um, okay. I was 19, I was in college, um, and, um, you know, coming out of fanzines and fandom and stuff, I found myself, uh, uh, you know, suckering a bunch of people into buying stuff for me. <laughs> there you go.
0: <laughs> Excellent, and 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 that nineteen. It, it's it's a lot of the people we've talked to uh, talk about getting into comics pretty young. I mean, just I mean today that would be a much tougher barrier of entry, wouldn't it?
1: I think so. Um, uh, I mean, because today uh, I think they're looking for your your name to come with, you know, to be attached to something, to have some kind of you know previous uh, uh, cred to it, so. Uh, yeah, that would be young. Um, I mean, there were a couple of people started younger than me. I uh-huh. think Conway was sixteen. Paul yeah. uh, Levitz was six. It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was seventeen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but uh, back then it was a little, it was more likely to happen. And and what
0: was it like? I, I guess so. You you were a comic fan. I'm I'm assuming before you started, you know, making oh, money yeah. from
2: comics. Yeah, from, yeah.
0: How was that it, it, going from kind of fan to working? Did it did it feel different, or it? it so you know, we've talked to other people who who describe kind of this this transition into actually working for comics as just being an extension of the fun. It didn't it didn't change.
1: For no, there's some of that. I mean, uh, I got into fandom around 1970. Uh, Paul Levitz who, who I mock uh, uh, mm-hmm. as often as I can. Uh, we met. We met in, in in middle school. We were like, you know,
2: wow.
1: Actually, I was at Paul Lovitz's bar mitzvah. That's how how long ago we met. Um, and he did very well for Ruchashah. So uh, <laughs> so we got together and we were friends and we started doing these, you know, crappy crud jeans, uh, uh, you know, checklist of the Avengers and things like that.
2: Yeah.
1: And. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Xeroxing and, and Mimeograph and whatever was around. Yeah. And then um, we got ambitious at, uh, in, in 1971 at like, you know, 15, 16 years old. Uh, Don and Maggie Thompson, uh, who, you know, ma- major fans actually were there at the beginning of fan- the comics fandom. They came in, you know, out of science fiction fandom, uh, which was organized you know, 30 years before we were. You know, Um, uh, uh, they had a fanzine called um, Uh, 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 Beautiful Balloon, Hmm. and it was was a mimeographed monthly. And it was, you know, reviews and articles and this and that. But they also ran a news section. And at the time, they were pretty much the only news fanzine out there. Uh, The Comic Reader had gone into hiatus. Actually, it got into a shoebox in Mark Hannafell's closet. (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> real hiatus yeah
2: <laughs>
1: he was he was the editor uh, the comic reader started uh, in 1960 it was created it was started by Jerry Bales uh, who was another father and founder of fandom and uh, Roy Thomas took it over and of course he has uh, in the form of alter ego has been publishing it now for, for several years yeah um, but um, you know we were I think the seventh publishers to inherit it Uh, the title Um, and um, we took it over and uh, but at first we started something called Etcetera which Mm -hmm. is a photo offset uh, uh, six page folded over you know once folded over uh, uh, you know pamphlet size and um, we were we thought well you know we're in New York we can actually get to the companies and and have access to news and, and information uh, so we, we started that with, you know, literally knowing nothing and $16 to print the thing. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: <laughs> and um,
0: That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We, we you know, we sold, uh, sold and or gave away, mostly gave away, I think, like 75 copies of the first issue. But we had sent, we also sent them to the major zines for reviews and stuff. And we sent a copy to Don and Maggie as well. And they reviewed us and gave us a very, a very nice review. Um, I, 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 uh, uh, I uh, kid Maggie that, um, you know, that she's responsible for both Levitts and I, because oh. if they hadn't been nice to us, you know, our fans, you and know, we would have gone away. But, um, uh, and then, you know, suddenly we had subscribers, and a few issues later, Hannafeld came, you know, came up and, and said, you know, here's the shoebox. Literally with you know money, uh, in, you know what's known as sticky quarters back in the olden days, uh, because usually it was you know send in um, you could send postage stamps or you know four issues for a quarter because I think postage was six cents,
2: mm-hmm. and,
1: um, uh, so you know people would tape quarters to to uh, you know index cards or pieces of cardboard, yeah, and, and mail them to us. So you had to peel the tape off, and you had a lot of sticky quarters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, uh, yeah, and that just got it started. And then after three years of doing that, uh, Paul started working at DC. He did start, uh, took a summer job in, in summer '73, mm-hmm.
2: um,
1: and uh, which turned into a slightly longer gig. You know,
2: yeah, uh, slightly, uh, less, just a little
1: bit. Lasted until like two thousand and ten.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a nice little career.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, well, one of us had to have one, so. Um, <laughs> The, um, uh, so, you know, and then I started, uh, you know, trying to pitch my stuff. Uh, start, you know, I went to Gold Key, and you know, made a few contacts mm-hmm. uh, with the zines and and you know, new new people. Uh, you know, other professionals, and you know, it's like I met Ledween and Mark Wolfman in I think 1968 on a DC tour um, yeah. back in the day when they used to give uh, Thursday afternoons at three thirty. I think it was they'd give a tour of the offices. Um, and I, I met them there for the first time, you know, so all, you know, I've been around this stuff a very long time. Like I say, six years professionally and whatever the, uh, the decades were before that as a fan, but um, yeah. you know, So it was kind of a natural thing. And then I, I sent some stuff to, to Charlton and, uh, and they bought it.
0: I, I love the entry. And, and, I think, um, <laughs> I don't tell me if you think this is a true statement or not. I, I, I it seems like during that time period and, and through most of the seventies and I think even the the eighties, there was a lot of of people who were doing what you did. They were making kind of fanzine kind of newsletters or magazines or was this. There was this um, artifact that was coming out of the fans that was delivering news and delivering thoughts and other things. Um, and it, it felt like that built a generation of of comic creators. Um, yeah and it feels like today there's that there's it there's still people online doing things but it's 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 different somehow I, I'm, i've been trying to kind of quantify it's it's it's, it's a um, very different thing
1: there was there was kind of focus yeah you know, i mean if you got a fanzine it, and it was a labor you know a lot of labor went into it now you click 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 type 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 yeah. you know form, format format and you're done um Here's what it took to produce an issue of Etc. It was a Smith Corona manual typewriter, graph paper, glue sticks, and press type. Yeah. And we went big. We bought a burnisher so that we could really get the press type on nice. Mm -hmm. Um, We would type out what we wanted in columns, and Paul being you know, very, I I was going to try to say it nicely, but Paul being very anal retentive wanted to do justified columns. So when you were typing, the only way to do justified columns was to type out your column. And then when you reach the end of the line, if there were empty spaces, you put like slashes or periods or whatever. And you'd have to go back and and retype everything. And you'd add empty spaces to get rid of the, you know, slashes the end of the line. So that was just typing it. Then you take an exact—I forgot the exacto knife. You take the exacto knife and a T-square. See, I'm forgetting all the important
0: yeah. things. Yeah, no, I, I, you <laughs> know, I, I, did a lot of the same stuff.
1: And then you had to cut these, these, you know, this, this type up and paste it onto the. Um, we used graph paper with non repro blue lines on it because. Yeah. You know, um. So and then you had to you know adjust things and move things around and then you had to manually create the the titles for things with this stuff, it was a, uh, it was a uh, vinyl letters on, on, uh, uh, on some kind of, you know, other type of vinyl and you'd, you'd rub it off the sheet onto the, onto the paper. Yeah. And, you know, God forbid you made a typo. But, but it was a lot of work. It took us, you know, it took us, you know, we spent a week of the month putting together the, the, the magazine,
0: you know, I think that that, yeah, I think you've hit on it. it. It's You had to be committed to doing it because it was going to take a lot of time. It wasn't something I you had
1: know. kind of yeah. to yeah. fall into. Right. And you and it was going to people who were laser focused, interested in what, in, in this thing. Yeah. So yeah. They were asking for it. They were ordering it. They were paying for it. You know, or, or even if you were a member of an Apple, which I was, you know, Kappa Alpha and uh, one called Niappa. Apples are monthly, where I guess they still, Kappa Alpha is still going. It's a monthly uh, a thing. Everybody, there's 50 members in, in Kappa Alpha, KA. Uh, others have different rosters, but uh, every month you produce your own printed fanzine. However, you know, there's certain minimum activity you have to do, minac, that you yep. need to do. And, um, you know, you send it to, you send 50 copies to a guy called the Central Mailer, and he, would, he or she would collate. All fifty contributions, or however many there were that month, into you know big piles, and then mail them back to you. Right. But you got so you know, but like, how useless is that these days?
2: Right. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: I mean, I, I frankly, you know, if we could get rid of Facebook and go back to doing that stuff, it would be a lot more fun. I
2: but, think for everybody, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> but you also, you know, you, you have to stop and think when you're doing that. You can't right. just broke shit against the wall and you know and run away yeah like, it's there you know uh, on the internet you kind of like you're hiding behind the screen and, and you just say you know whatever
2: i know i do you know uh, <laughs> yes
3: so you were a big comics fan growing up were uh, you a big were you big into dc and then oh, you ended up there yeah so I what know. what were your dc titles you really enjoyed
1: um, well, Superman, uh, mm-hmm. uh, so you know, all the Julie Schwartz stuff. Uh, you know, I started yeah. reading comics around 59 or 60. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing I remember reading was the, uh, was Wonder Woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, there was Mickey Mouse and, and that, that other stuff. Sure,
2: Yeah. Sure.
1: Never Disney, Disney. I never trusted Disney. Too clean, <laughs> too nice, you know, give me a good Warner Brothers cartoon. Sure. So, now we're talking. But, um, <laughs> but in, in the comics, uh, Wonder Woman back then was, you know, the Bob Kaniger, Andrew and Esposito stuff, yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, Merboy and, 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 and genies and, and dragons and, you know, it's kind of a fairy tale strip. So, you know, it was perfect yeah. for five-year-old kids. Um, and, but then I discovered Superman and, you know, that was it.
3: Yeah, um, now, and you got to—I mean, you worked a lot with Julie Schwartz then, because mm-hmm. uh, you were you were there during his reign as, as editor. So, so what was he like? What was it like working with him?
1: It was a reign of terror. Um, <laughs> <laughs> was, you know, yeah, the, yeah, I worked with him in the late '80s. Uh, I mean, sorry, in the in the uh, early '70s. You know, his last mm-hmm. his last years until um, you know I was working on Superman with you know when he was editor till the end. Um, so, um, you know, uh, Julie was kind of a, he was gruff, but, you know, it was kind of like that, you know, that Lou Grant thing where, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I get it. Yeah, just you're <laughs> gruff. Isn't that sweet? Uh, yeah. You know, I was I scared, scared of him because he was like, what do you want? You know? Mm. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, after a while, it was kind of like, oh, I get this guy, you know. And he was. I thought he was a sweetheart. I I, I loved him. Um, I am happy to say he was. You know, not just an editor, but later on he became. You know, he became a friend. And uh, yeah. So
2: yeah.
3: I am. Um, I, I think one thing that's uh, prevalent too often, especially with modern fandom, is this notion that uh, Superman's not worth reading pre-crisis. All the. It's it's <laughs> the the stuff after crisis, you know, and and diminish a lot of, of what happened pre crisis. But I mean, there was a lot of stuff con- contributions from people like you, Denny, Marv, oh yeah, uh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, Gil Kane,
1: and, and Elliot Magan. and yeah, you know, um, uh, there was a lot of great stuff there. Oh, um, well, absolutely. Uh, yeah. you know, and Kurt Swan, Jesus, you know, yeah. Kurt Swan, who's better than Kurt Swan for Christ's sake? You know, it's <laughs> just.
3: Yeah, what are some stories, uh, including your own, that you would point to? You know, in the in the seventies and eighties, before crisis, that really stand out that Superman fans should read.
1: Um, boy, that's a tough one. It's hard to, to bring them up. Um, yeah, I'm terrible at titles and numbers and stuff. Like well, that. your own story, <laughs> you can just
2: long, yeah. figure
3: them out.
1: Well, I don't, I don't, I don't have a, a lot of great Superman stories. I, mm. I'm afraid. I um,
0: you're being modest. Yeah.
1: No, 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 I just, I didn't, you know, it's just like, um, I, I did a few that, you know, uh, that, that I, I liked, mm-hmm. um, uh, there was, uh, one was a, um, was an imaginary story, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think it was called Born to be Superman, mm-hmm. and uh, it was, uh, uh, Superboy loses his power at 16 or so, and, Goes on to a normal life, and you know, builds a supermarket chain out of Kent Store, and marries Lana, and you know, and then at some point, Luther comes back, and he has to, you know, he has to face this and and yeah. deal. With it. Um, and yeah. I thought that turned out nicely. It was, uh, and Carmen Infantino drew it, Bob Ox did it, so you know, that was a bonus. Um, uh, there was a couple of DC Comics presents that. That I thought came out all right. uh, One with Madame Xanadu Mm -hmm. uh, that uh, that Gray Morrow drew. So again, you know,
0: it helps. It's also also, when it's a great team, both writer and artist, that also helps.
1: Well, I was going to say Gray Morrow drawing it, even if it sucked, it looks good. Yeah, (laughs) like when I did a Green Arrow story uh, in DC Comics Presents, and Mm -hmm. and I thought it was like, you know, just like wow, what a piece of fluff. You know, the smog monster, you know, pollution, ooh, 1980s. Yeah. Uh, and, um, but Don Newton drew it.
2: Oh, oh wow.
1: People love the story, and I go, it's only because Don Newton drew it. If this was won by, you know, Paul Reinman, you'd go, ooh, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> now, uh, Superman did have some uh, interesting powers at <laughs> the time. Can you explain how we got super heart massage?
1: No. Nah. <laughs> see i think the quest for explanations of how and why the heroes do do things
2: oh man yeah
1: has made comics you know what has been comics decline
2: yeah
1: you can't I... you know like people say to me uh, you know you'll post a panel and they'll point out some you know ridiculous thing and they go all right so this is a story about a person who can fly through the sun but that's what you decide to reality test yeah yeah um, so, you can't reality test any part of them because if you start picking at one thread, we mm-hmm. do fall apart. You can't justify these characters.
0: You I, know? Mean, I agree so much.
2: Yeah. But, yeah.
1: But everybody tries so hard to explain it. You know, it was like when Byrne, you know, came out with his uh, psychic, you know, superpowers thing for Superman, you know, it's it's all a mental whatever. It was yeah. like, no, 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 shut up, sit down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it started with that, with that, I didn't start there, but you know, everybody that, that Julie Schwartz edited uh, a story about Clark Kent's uh, super hypnotic glasses.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, like, wow, why are you trying, you know, Marty Pasco, who's a dear friend of mine was like, from the day he wrote, it was like, I I, I didn't want to do this one. I really didn't. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: You gotta maintain this, uh, this 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 disbelief. I, I I always think it's a trap when um, the writer it's it's. I, I mean, I see it a lot today. With you know, you want to comment on current real life social issues in comics, but you have to do it very carefully because otherwise, you're trying to explain why you know Superman is is not
1: World War Two in in an hour. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's it's just it it's very very difficult to mm-hmm. to, to do this. Yeah. And um, speaking of
3: things that are impossible to explain, you you also contributed to the Legion of Superheroes. And yeah. uh, there's, a, I mean, there's a, a rabid fan base. I, I'm a big Legion fan as well. So if we don't ask you about Legion, people will pop in That'd the be comments angry. being like, yeah, "Who's?" Yeah. You know, so tell us a bit about your experience with the Legion of Superheroes.
0: Yes, please.
1: Well, they summoned me to the 30th century because they needed help on this mission yeah, and yeah. I said, well I no. Um, <laughs> um yeah it was like I did a couple of couple of three fill-ins uh during I guess Paul Levitz's first um you know kind of run on the title yeah um I did uh, I did a few stories there uh, and then I did I, well I did the the uh the, the what do you call it the the History of the Legion. Yeah, yeah,
3: it was like the secret history of the
1: the Legion. Yeah, the secret. Secret Origins, yeah. Yeah. And um, so I did that. And that's that's my main um, contribution, I guess, Mm -hmm. to the Legion. Uh, That was, uh, you know, it was uh, a project I did with um, E. Nelson Bridwell. He kind Mm. of, uh, Nelson kind of plotted out the timeline. And, um, you know, and and I wrote the script. Similarly, the way. We did the world of Krypton uh, miniseries, nice. uh, so um, you know, yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I I I, I like the Legion. I had read them. Um, uh, they were they were Levitz's favorite, you know, favorite group. So uh, favorite comic. So growing up, I read his. You know, I didn't have the whole the, that stuff, but I read run yeah. of it. So I was real familiar with it, and I, I liked the characters, um, uh, but. You know, I mean, I, I never had a burning desire to write a, a strip with, you know, 92 characters.
0: Sure. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people comment that writing The Legion is, is just, it's either daunting or impossible because you are juggling a just a ridiculously huge cast. Is that?
1: It, it's doable. I mean, when I, I wrote the Life with Archie series, yes. in, in, <laughs> starting in 2009, and that was, you know, uh, two, two storylines. But with the same characters, basically, in both storylines. And there were about 18 regular characters. Right. Which so means I had 36, you know, different stories to remember because mm-hmm. of different storylines. Um, it is daunting, um, but it's not as tough when they're not flying and traveling through time. Um, yeah. uh, You know there's uh yeah i mean I, I could do it i i have you know i've written group books and you know done that stuff um but yeah they, they were never one of them they were never on a uh on a bucket list for me mm-hmm.
3: but so <clears throat> did you notice a difference I think
2: when- that's what i said Damn it, that's <laughs>
1: <me>. no, I-
3: <laughs> did, did you notice a difference in Paul Levitt's um, when he first started doing the Legion, and then once he came back and like really established his his legacy as like the Legion guy.
1: No, not really. I mean, he's yeah. he's no, he's he's not one of those types of people. He's you know, yeah, he, you know, for uh, he's really a very genuine person. You know, yeah. there's there's um, and uh, you know, no. I don't think it, it, you know, I, I think he sees it for what it, you know, he sees it for what it is. You know, he, he understands being a fan. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, cause I've gotten around, you know, i like, I'm not impressed by famous people. I've been around a lot of them and most of them, it's just fine. You know, you, you yeah. meet them, get their hand and it's fine. But then you meet somebody who's doing, you know, a hero, of some kind, you know, and, and, and suddenly you turn into a babbling idiot. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's happened. It, it happens. You know, I, I didn't know what the hell to say to Michael Chabon. i just stood there going, I really like your book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just, um, and that, I'm not even talking about, uh, Cavalier and clay. I'm talking about the, uh, mm-hmm. uh policeman's, uh, uh, the, um, no, I'm blanking on the name. It's a good book. It has policeman in the title.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you, you um you managed to you
0: you well not managed you, you created a lot Lisa like you you wrote a lot of comics you created some new characters did a lot of storylines I think you uh you you is it true you did the first uh, version of of Ambush Bug you brought that you scripted the first appearance of that is that right
1: Yeah that was an issue of DC Comics Presents um uh we were plotting uh Keith Giffin and I were plotting the story with Julie Schwartz Mm-hmm. as uh, we were going to do super, uh, Superman and the new Doom Patrol. And um, so we're talking about the storyline and all that and, and, and trying to come up with kind of a thing. And Keith yeah. goes, well, you know, this idea for a character, it's kind of like Bugs Bunny with a teleportation device.
2: <laughs> uh, okay, that's yeah. good. Let's <laughs> go. <laughs> I like
3: that. Yeah, no, that, that's good. And you, you also did... Um, you relaunched uh, Doom Patrol, yeah. At that man. time, and you got to work with uh, you know Steve Lytle, who recently passed, and you also worked with an up and comer named uh, Eric Larson.
1: Yeah, whatever happened to him? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Seems yeah, to yeah. I got to work with Joe Staten first in 1977 yeah. uh, mm-hmm. on the on the thing, and. Um, uh, then it was brought back again in '87, was it? I yes, think. In yeah,
2: yeah,
1: And that was we launched with Steve Lytle, yeah. and uh, great, beautiful work. I mean, I, it was, you
2: know, oh, yeah, looked it was brilliant, absolutely, uh, yeah,
1: good guy, too. I mean, yeah, yeah. He, he was a shock, uh, but um, yeah, and then um, you know, for circumstances that um, uh, that that. Whatever uh, he left the book, and um, and Larson took over. Yeah. Uh, very different style from yeah. Steve. Say yes, um, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, but um, and you
3: got to meet Arnold Drake before.
1: Um. <laughs> I met Arnold a couple of times. Yes, I. Um,
2: yeah,
1: the last time it was in two thousand. Somebody mm. had arranged for a. Uh, to bring up a whole bunch of you know golden and silver age artists uh old guys came up to visit um and he brought them first to marvel and then dc and there was arnold and, and murphy anderson and and uh wow. uh, uh larry It's first time first and only time i ever met larry lieber that was that was great yeah. um actually he said you know it took me up to we went to marvel and we were introduced around and and nobody knew who I was. He says, I came here, and every office I'm introduced in, they go, wow, Larry Lieber. You know, it's like.
0: Uh, <laughs> There's uh, probably a, <laughs> we could go into that, but. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, I feel that that was in 2000. I, I would feel that way if I went up to D.C. today. It was like, who are you? You know, because mm. I don't have anybody there who knows who I am anymore. Yeah. You know? But um
0: Oh, I don't. Uh, I, I'll bet. I have, well. Uh, anyway, yes, I, I bet they. Would.
1: <laughs> well, I did. I did just do a. I, I did just do a, an intro for one of the, uh, yeah. one of the, one of the books. Uh, uh, the Aquaman eighty years uh, mm-hmm. book. Oh, nice.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah I did. Uh, I did the intro to one of those chapters. Um, uh, uh, sections for that book. Anyway, um, uh, what was I saying?
3: yeah uh, Arnold Drake uh, met him I- two thousand.
1: So oh, right, so I'm talking to Arnold, and you know, and and uh, I get onto Doom Patrol. I go, you know, I relaunched it. Yeah, I know. And um, you know, he's not really saying anything. And um, and I said, you know, my one real regret is that uh, you know I I was kind of following the trend. I should have stuck with what you created. I really think that was a big mistake that I I you know I didn't stick with what you you came up with and he kind of patted me on the shoulder and went fine now
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: but you were you were very uh, gracious it, it seems cuz we one of our earlier interviews we we talked to Richard Case and he mentioned how um, basically you, it seemed like you you killed off basically everyone Grant wanted you to kill off before yeah, sure. I, I like oh, you sure yeah,
1: like I enjoy killing yeah uh, and Sure, um, I, I've, I've got kind of a reputation as a comic book serial killer.
2: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I
1: got Aquababy. Baby. I yeah. got vigilante. I got the Doom Patrol team members. Yeah. Uh, uh, I killed the Thinker. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, and I offed Archie. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yes, so you did. Yeah. Pretty good. Uh, pretty good score.
0: That's a good body count. Yeah. Yeah, I but I uh, got all those back either. So yeah. It, but, it, uh, it, yeah.
1: Well, Adrian Chase has never come back. I am very pleased with that. They've never brought back Adrian Chase. That is good.
3: And then yeah. uh, something uh, too with this: Did you ever, in your wildest dreams, think not only would there be a live-action Doom Patrol show, but that they would have an episode that was a nod to your run on it?
1: No, 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 never. I mean, even when stuff started getting made, it's like Doom Patrol. No way, you know. Yeah. And, um, yeah, no, that's all, but anytime any of that stuff pops up, you know, I've had a few things, you know, minor characters pop up on shows, and it's just been, yeah. really? Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's got to be cool to see. I, I'm i still struggling. I, I, I think when I think about Marvel and DC, and, and we've, we've talked to a number of people, we hear these stories, it, it feels like DC seems to hold on to their history maybe a little bit easier and better or it
1: has a history yeah yeah you know, i mean like marvel does too now but you know i was thinking about this the other day uh i think i've made i, I write a, a a column for 13th dimension website uh, dimension.com and one of the things like you know mar back in the 60s you know marvel was the very forward-looking you know face front let's go true believers kind of company But they were they were kids, they were the newbies. You know, forget about the thirty years before as Atlas Comics, Marvel Comics was a new thing. Marvel Comics didn't have a history. Yes. You know? DC Comics goes back to nineteen thirty-five.
0: Yes. You
1: know, so there's this massive history and, and it's all on a timeline. You know, the fact that you have you know, Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman, Green Lantern, uh, Green Arrow, and, and Aquaman being the only superhero characters in all of comics to bridge the 1950s, you know, un, un, you know without an interruption uh, in their publishing, you know, they, yeah. they kind
2: of, yeah, yeah.
1: Do you, so,
0: yeah. Uh, what, so does it ever bother you that these characters haven't aged or does that matter at all?
1: Doesn't matter at all because you know, <laughs> you know up until 1985, Superman had been eternally 34 years old. Sure, that was the intern. You know, in, in, that was the in-house kind of. Yeah, yes, Clark is is 34. Lois is 29. You know, Jimmy is probably 21. You know, that was kind of the. the your base. You didn't mention it because once you mention it, you now have to start counting. The clock has started. You know. Yeah. Right. Um. But you know, so he was that for, for you know, forty years. Uh, you
0: know, it's funny. I've never met uh, in all my years selling comics and uh, and and going to cons, and me. I've, I've never met a fan who's seriously, a customer who seriously, was bothered by the aging. Of the characters, they were interested in the stories. There, people would joke like, "Oh, how could he be in Vietnam and then also be still 20 That doesn't make any sense. But they, but nobody was really bothered by that. No. But it feels like the comic publisher somebody gets bothered by that, and that's how we get these these very strange. Uh, well,
1: you know the the problem is that the fans took over the
2: business. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
1: Well, and it was inevitable. You know, it was bound to happen. You know, the, the first. Two generations of creators, you know, very few of the guys who started in the '40s were going because they were comic book fans. You know, you get a few. You get, you know, Joe Kubert and Gil Kane, and you know, his mm-hmm. kids read this stuff, and they want. A lot of these guys just fell into it because it's all oh, work, um, right? You know, and um, um, so you know, this was a job. You know, Bob Haney, mm-hmm. you know. He, he had the greatest attitude in the whole world, a like continuity, what's that? <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> what,
1: what, what works for this story? Right. And yeah, everybody used to bitch and moan, but, you know, Bob Paney was writing for, for um, uh, Murray Boltonoff, and Murray Boltonoff is the best-selling editor at DC.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, unexpected, crappy, unexpected, outsold, you know, brilliant, innovative house of mystery
2: yeah yeah
1: uh you know ghosts with uh you know leo dorfman stories was doing better than you know len ween and Marv wolfman and jerry conway stories in house of secrets
2: yeah yeah
0: well figure it just it, it it always feels like a problem that doesn't need to be solved and i i don't know if you've followed the kind of the latest uh you know joe and i talked about this uh month or two
1: ago oh, About the spider cut fuck them yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> the, the, they,
0: in trying to solve the problem, it feels like they open up five hundred new problems. Uh the
1: Again we're pulling at the threads yes. of, of this very shoddily made sweater. Yes. And you start pulling on the and it's like, Oh shit, that sleeve just fell off. Well you're shitting the vest you know? It just <laughs> you know.
0: I'm curious. Have you heard of the linear verse? Have you heard of this idea at DC? Yeah.
1: I not quite. It's like, it sounds like, um, they've just thrown their cards up in the air and gone, screw it, whatever. And, um, you know, it was this,
0: uh, it's this, it was this explanation. They rolled out that just everybody ages very, very slowly.
1: (laughs) why are they aging at all? (laughs) (laughs) You, 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 you got this place where, you know, Robin Dick Grayson is going from 12 to 20. Right. And know, and other teenage characters aren't. Yeah. And you can't, it doesn't matter because, you know, if you were, if you were really following that, then you would have, uh, you know, super, you know, Superman would be about 110.
2: Uh-huh. I mean, in real
1: time, you know, yeah, yeah. Bruce would be dead.
2: Sure. <laughs> you know?
1: I mean, it's all, you know, so, yeah. it, and, and again, what difference does it make? Why are you, Why are you, you know, I think there's, there's this kind of this, this still lingering embarrassment about comics. Yes. People, people try to make them, uh, you know, try to give them weight and legitimacy by, by adding realism to them. You know, it's like, You know, the new Marvel's new universe, the universe outside your window. No, it's not. It's not.
0: (laughs) It's not. We've got people flying into the sun. It's not outside your window.
1: (laughs) And if it is, consult a physician. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It it just, you know, so uh, it's all this, this attempt, you know, by these people who are embarrassed by comic books. Yeah. And I think it's the same thing with a lot of the movie producers, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. the source material, you know, it's like, well, we like the concepts and the costume. Well, we'll fix the costume. But, you know, know, they have to make it better. They have to fix it. They have to, you know, well, we have to anchor. We have to make it so that it, you know, works in the real world.
3: Yeah. Um, You have to have the bat symbol in the new movie made out of the gun that murdered his parents.
1: And, you know and not, not <laughs> edging these, you're not edging them. You, you've tipped them over into psychotics. Yes. You yes. Know, my Batman smile. you know th- my favorite page, uh, there's a, a, a story that uh, Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams did. and there's a city councilman raving and ranting about vigilantes in the city uh, to Commissioner Gordon and why if that Batman was here, I'd show him I just and Batman knew I was coming through the window behind the guy. And just as the guy is, you know, showing off how tough he is, Batman goes, boo. Yeah. And the turns and, you know, runs screaming out of the room. Yeah, yeah. it's a fun scene. Commissioner Gordon, goes, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. wad, wow, you, know. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. That's that's it, you know. Christopher Reeve flying, you know, that last moment of, of the Superman movie. We flying off, you know. No, it's and it's it's
0: really. what people focus on. It's it's uh, it's like well, we have to explain this, but you know, Superman can fly Lois around into o- near orbit, and she's not mm-hmm. going to freeze to death. It'll be fine. But but right. we're going to explain this other aspect. That it, it, it it all seems very arbitrary.
2: Yeah,
1: it is. It is. It's just you know, it's people with again uh, you know, a slight bit of embarrassment and too much time on their hands.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. Aging very slowly. All right, you, yeah. you you also launched Checkmate. Yes, I did. Yes, and that's that's had a resurgence lately. They they're they're doing more with coming Checkmate. back.
1: <laughs> well, I heard. I'm I'm my royalty checks are looking forward to it.
0: Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, so yeah,
3: how'd you come up with it?
1: Um. Well, uh, after you know we knew time was running out on vigilante, mm-hmm. um, so. Um, uh i i was desperate for a replacement title
2: okay there you <laughs> go came up with it
1: um but the, the concept itself i'm sure that's what you meant uh, <laughs> well no i didn't. that was either way yeah.
2: yeah
1: uh the concept was just kind of like what would make for an interesting you know uh, dc didn't have a um, kind of a shield of its own
2: mm-hmm.
1: right um and that's really what i was what, what i was kind of come up with was kind of a um, you know, a DC take on Shield, which means everybody wore identical costumes. Um, but, <laughs> mean, yeah, yeah, because that DC, DC's great uh, power is to de uniquify all their characters. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's uh, that seems <laughs> to be the case. You know, like Superman? Yes. Old bottled City full of them, you know. Yeah. The Green Lantern, thirty-six hundred more, you know. <laughs> Everyone can be a clash. million of them. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've had at least two uh, Wonder Womans introduced this year, I think. And, and maybe more, depending on who wins the survey. So. Well, the survey is going to be the fifth
3: Wonder Woman of this year. Yeah. That's great.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I came up with a new, you know, when I was editing Wonder Woman, we introduced Artemis. Right. You know, you know that Mike Diodato, uh, Bill Loeb's run. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we always knew she was going back in, uh, you know, after 10 issues.
2: So, yeah. Yeah.
3: No, we, we talked to Bill the other week.
1: Oh, yeah. How's he doing? He's all right.
3: He seemed, he seemed to be doing all right. Excellent. Great guy. Great yeah. Time. That was really good. You So you got to work on that um, Wonder Woman run with him. That was, um, that was a lot of fun. Like, I, I read yeah. that not too long ago. That was a fun run.
1: There was, yeah. Yeah. I took over, they had been doing the taco stand, uh, wonder woman.
2: Right. Yes. Yes.
1: So I took over. Well, when I took over that stopped, it, it yeah. still, but it stopped. I, I, I instituted what I call the, the, uh, the Clark Kent, Bruce Wayne rule. Mm-hmm. If, you want, if you won't do it to Clark Kent or Bruce Wayne, you can't do it to wonder woman.
2: Sure. Yeah. And,
1: and you'd never make them work in a taco stand. That's yeah. true.
0: That <laughs> might, yeah. That'd be, no, that would be a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not have to do that.
1: So, um, uh, but yeah, uh, so well, I worked with Bill on that. Um, um, he also he wrote this uh, Amazonia graphic novel, which was in Elseworlds. Man. that was just stunning. I mean, beautifully written and and uh, uh, you know incredible art. So,
0: with all these characters that, that you wound up working on, you had kind of your I don't say so your pick, but you 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 wound up. Crossing a lot of the DC universe, it, it, like which character did you resonated best with you? Which was one that you always found really easy to write?
2: Um. Wow.
1: I kind. I, I like Superboy a lot. I like writing Superboy. Um, you know, there was, you know, he, he was saddled with a lot of that old, uh, um, thinking. You know, the the. Mm-hmm. The the, the 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 meek and mild character. Yeah. You know, yeah. Overly meek and mild, you know. i better not not trip over that sidewalk or they might suspect I'm superboy. <laughs> 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 um, so, you know, so I had to do a little bit of that. I got rid of that and uh, you know, not that it lasted long because, you know, he was soon retconned out of existence, but
3: yeah. Well, they brought in another dozen or so Superboys yeah.
0: since then, so...
1: <laughs> hang out with
0: the Flashes and the Wonder Womans and the Green Lantern.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. I, uh, um, I did, uh, who else? There was, um, uh, well, you know, I like writing my own characters. Like, Arion was, was fun to write. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about that.
0: Tell us about Arion and, and, and how that came about, and, and what was that like creating kind of your own character there?
1: Uh, That was that was interesting. It was one of the earlier ones I did, uh, you know, kind of uh, all from scratch conceptually and other, you know, before that, I created the the new Doom Patrol, but Mm -hmm. working off of something there that was already existing. Um, So that was fun. I mean, it was uh, I, you know, I admitted this all over the place. I was a big fan of Larry Niven's The Magic Goes Away. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And that was just the you know the basic idea for uh, a world of Atlantis where the magic is is fading and you know here's the guy who's got to save it yeah so that was my basic premise came from that but the rest was kind of like I wanted to do a uh, you know a a uh, kind of a a snarky young sorcerer who actually turns out to be like fifty thousand years old you know and 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 eventually revealed to be a god but you know. That
0: came over. I yeah. feel like the uh, the whole genesis with Arian and, and it feels like a lot of this the material you introduced there has been. Uh, I mean, it, you're you're bringing concepts up that have gotten popular. I would say in the last ten years as story tropes and and things that people have done. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's, it's it's I'm seeing a lot of influence uh, to that yeah. to that series. Um, so yeah, that's nice
1: yeah.
0: to hear. You know, you yeah. do more checks. Yeah.
1: Well, it depends on 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 the form, you know, like a title, like a, a a new ongoing checkmate title. Even though I don't, I have nothing to do with it creatively, and I'm sure there won't be much creative about it. But that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> yeah.
3: uh,
1: I don't even know who's doing it actually. So it's uh, it's,
3: it's a, yeah. so was it Bendis who's writing the new checkmate? Yeah. Well, then,
1: okay. All right. Yeah. Then then there's hope that it will be overwritten.
3: Um, yeah, we can only okay. hope. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but but, uh, yeah. but
1: hey if it's a successful book you know i'm i'm the creator i have equity in it you know
3: yeah yeah so, that right. that's great but, you know um since much. you are a, a serial killer of comic characters how did it feel to take on supergirl just to have Marv killer
1: i was i resented that i thought i, I should have killed her yeah you know, <laughs> no, first killer. yeah yeah you know, i just spent two years on it more than that yeah. with the featured in superman family before the uh before before she got her own title so um
0: you earned the right to kill her I yeah, did. yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, i i with uh kind of the opposite question to you who who was a character that you just you, you you wrote but you could never feel like you you liked this character
1: Actually, it wasn't in comic books. Okay. It was a, post, it was a short story for an anthology, uh, The Lone Ranger. Okay. I couldn't find a way into him for nothing. It was just like, you know, a mask and a horse. <laughs> 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 <you> <laughs> it's, I, I've
0: heard that before with that character, actually. A number yeah. of creators have said that, that, just, that there's nothing there.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of, I eventually found a, a, you know, another story, you know, other characters to have a story and kind of, you know, have him come in near the end and go, ooh, look at that. that reminds me of my life, you know, as it yeah. was backstory thing yeah. that they, they've got the, again, you know, you, you, you read or write a story for an anthology and you get sent these 50 page Bibles for these characters, you know. Mm-hmm. And then when he was four de- four years old, and seven days, you know, he stubbed his toe. All right, you know, that's good to know. I can use that.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: But, <laughs> you know, uh, another thing,
3: like we talked a lot about heroes, and, and you,
1: I'm bitter. I'm I'm embittered by my career, as you can tell. From yeah, that. yeah, but so, like yeah. Um, we, we wanted to make sure it was clear.
3: Yeah, <laughs> but you know, it's uh, you've. <laughs> It, we're, we're talking about heroes, but as, as a, a serial killer of heroes, who are some villains you really like to write? Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Villains, wow! Um, Joker was fun. I did yeah. some Joker stuff in some DC Comics presents
2: and
1: nice. oh, DC Challenge. I think I wrote him in DC Challenge. Yes, very nice. Um, who else? I never really, you know, it's funny. I um. The villains were kind of like just handy things for the most part to yeah. kind of, you know, throw the throw the, the heroes against um uh and you know, I was thinking I realized I, I didn't really do a lot of go to uh uh you know, villains when I did like established character like Superman.
2: Yeah. I
1: think the only Luther story I think I did was in an issue of Superboy. Yeah. I don't I didn't use the character I didn't use you know uh, uh Terra man I did I did several stories with Terror Man for some ungodly reason I don't know why but <laughs> but <laughs> it's, it, the, the the time period
0: is really kind of defined um, one of the things people say is that there were a lot of villains that villains were you know there there was a wide gallery of, of opponents mm-hmm. or characters and in the last 10 15 years, there's a lot fewer villains. We're trying to understand the villains. We're trying to give the villains maybe a sympathetic side, and it's 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 altered uh, quite a bit. And it's yeah, it, you know, you're wanting the heroes to kind of tackle real world problems as opposed to uh, a toy yeah. man like that. Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know. I, you know, I I honestly I don't read um, you know I don't read current comics. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know what's going on at Marvel or DC other than through what I you know read online and yeah. Roll my eyes about um yeah, but in fairness i i have to say i'm not the audience
2: right right no
1: longer no yeah. the audience for this stuff um uh it's just you know so if people enjoy it that's great and you know more power to them
3: yeah i mean looking at the sales charts though i don't know if there is an audience for some of these books but <laughs> it's true <it's> shrunk <laughs> Sure.
1: I'm, I'm teasing, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're, you know, look, I, when I started, when I came on staff at DC in 1991 as an editor,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, I was being, I was taught, I was given Dark Stars to edit. Oh yeah. Um, uh, I was told to be careful because it was getting near 65,000. Yeah. Yeah was kind of the cutoff point of like you fall below that and um and now sixty five thousand is what? The you know, top ninety percentile?
0: You're you're in the
3: top ten probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, for sure. Uh, but uh well what, uh, what was that like um editing compared to writing comics for you?
1: Yeah. Editing is um well, you know, editing is a job. There's a lot of paperwork and there's a lot of, you know, a lot of schedules and and you know Dealing with idiots, not the freelancers, the people sure. you report to, because um, yeah. uh, <laughs> I reported to a lot of idiots.
0: Yeah, yes, yeah. so, yeah, so I, I can relate. To it, so. <laughs> um,
1: but um, but you'd recognize the names of my idiots.
0: Yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah. You had better idiots. There
1: you I, go. I, I had some great idiots. Um, uh, you know, like Dan Rasper but I won't mention them. anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's uh, but you know the the actual working on the creative side it, uh, it it's the fun part of writing without the work you know it's the problem solving the creative problem solving and things like that um you know that's great and just you know it, it's I like the work I enjoyed it um uh it it's yeah it's fun I mean you know yeah it, it's it's again. There's, you know, again, but it, it's a job. You know, it yeah. is a just like writing comics is a job. You know, right. there are people waiting. You know, standing over your shoulder, breathing down your neck, and yelling at you. Yeah. yeah. Um, no matter yeah. what. Um, and
3: those are just the fans.
2: Yes. <laughs> 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 but,
1: yeah. there came there came this point, in the, you know, through the internet that the fans thought they were part of the business. Sure. Yeah. I can't tell you the number of of you know personal financial questions that people just ask me routinely on Facebook about, you know, like, Oh, well, I hope you got paid for that. Yeah, yeah I get paid for that. <laughs> you know, this thing wasn't published. Well, I hope they paid you. Yeah, they assigned it to me. They paid me. That's how it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But and then they ask you know, like, Well, how much do and this and that? Like, wow, that's none of your business. It is. <laughs> I, it, we did slip into a world of, you
0: don't ask about somebody else's finances, their religion, or their politics. And that, that went out the window roughly 15 years ago. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that window should be closed again, like as much as possible. We only
1: talk about religion and politics, but, you know. But I'm not, life, you know? It's like, I'm not on I'm not on Facebook, you know, to... to you know to be your friend frankly <laughs> friendly but you know it's like
2: uh,
1: facebook is a business thing to me you know yes yeah you know there you you're on there and again it's fun. you know you it's it's you know i i work at home and you know live with one other person and she doesn't think i'm funny anymore uh so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: but um so you know it's great to have that outlet but yeah, there are certain things like you know you go back you look at my feed it's like I'm not talking to you about my personal life, am I? <laughs> you know?
3: Yeah, yeah. Is, is there any book in particular or, or creative team you put together that you were like particularly proud of? Like you look back now and you're like that was a damn good book I edited.
1: Yeah, there's a few. Um, again, the Wonder Woman run with, with uh, Bill Lobes and and uh, and uh, uh, Mikey Adato.
2: Yeah, um,
1: uh, and the following run with Byrne. I thought he, he did a great. Uh, um, uh, who else? There was uh, Phil Winslade who did that Wonder Woman graphic novel I mentioned that that yeah. Bill wrote. Amazonia. Yeah. Um, um, I, you know, it's it's weird. I'm trying to think of like who I put together. A lot of them kind of come in.
0: Yeah.
1: Them, you know. Uh, but I did give Ethan Van Sciver his starts. So, oh. never mind
0: well the whole video has changed now yes
3: oh no but um. but yeah um i find it interesting how so much of that wonder woman like all the stuff you were working on kind of got memory holds for a long time like a lot of those trades and collections were only fairly recent i think except for I think the Diodato trade came out like a few years ago or so. But yeah. it seemed like there was this big gap that everyone went like, well, you know, George Perez worked on the book and then Gail Simone and Greg Rucca and that there was this like weird like 15 year gap where people were like, and who knows what happened to Wonder Woman?
2: It's a mystery. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
1: yeah, I don't I, I I guess um I feel that way about a lot of my stuff at DC, it's like mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, none of this is, you know, like, I don't think I'm ever going to see an aryan you know, collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure Checkmate's never going to happen, no matter what, you know. And, you yeah. know, Checkmate would make a really good TV show.
0: Yeah, it would. Yeah, absolutely.
1: You know, you could actually tie the whole, you know, like, like Marvel, like S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, at Marvel, uh, the Marvel TV, you could tie you know, the whole thing together, um, yeah. through something like Checkmate, but, you know.
0: It feels like the, uh, the current launch, there's at least, uh, some desire to make that happen, but I, I mean, it, 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 feels very, at this point in, in movies and, and production and things that are getting put together, it, that, that one feels like a real long shot, but.
1: Yeah. Oh, sure. I, I know that because, you know, my name's on it, so. <laughs> but they
3: put an omnibus out of your Doom Patrol run.
1: Yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, which <laughs> was the last run of Doom Patrol to get the omnibus run, you know? Uh, yeah,
3: I think, yeah, it was, uh, I think, it was Burn <laughs> they did and then yours, I think. Like, was it was, the
1: Burn before mine?
3: Yeah. I think they did Burn before yours.
1: Okay. And, you know, not for nothing, you know, I'm a big fan of John's work, but
3: uh, yeah,
1: I, mean, I think my Doom Patrol, more seminal than his.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it'll ever be referenced in that show, but yours has been, so. Yes, I... <laughs> Not every idea is a winner, I guess. Is the no?
2: It's uh, no,
1: no, it's fine. You know it. It, um, it but um, yeah, no, I, I, don't get it. But you know, it's, it's kind of like, look, I, you know, I, I, I know, I, I was a, I was a steady B writer for DC for you know, for in my time, I was never, you know, never on a superstar project, and you know, but. I like to think I contributed uh, little bits and pieces here and there, and, and hopefully they'll you know they'll survive. But well,
0: I mean, no, absolutely, yeah. you, you contributed a massive uh, piece of their history at this point. I mean, even and now it can live again because everything matters, and there is no all the crises have been erased, and it's all it all works at the same time simultaneously in the linear verse. So yeah, you. You mentioned novels. You, you, you certainly have written uh, things beyond comic books. You've you've worked. Uh, and I, I'd like to talk about that, but I, but I also, um, I have to ask, so you started writing for the Weekly World News. Yes. And so, um, yeah. Tell me about that. How, how was that?
1: Um, I, I, I knew the editor, you know, the executive editor was, uh, uh, or editor-in-chief, I forget his title, Jeff Roven. Okay. Uh, I've known Jeff since, you know, the early 70s when he was um, Joe Kubert's assistant at uh, at D.C. Uh-huh. And, um, uh, yeah, it's just, we happened to run into each other, and you know, one thing led to another, and he said, oh, you'd be good, why don't you try? And I submitted some pieces and started selling. And, um, you know, I was fairly regular contributor. And then um, he was... Um, it been based in Florida. Uh, Jeff lives in Manhattan, but the paper was based in Florida, and it's part of the AMI American Media. You know, the same mm-hmm. company that owns National Enquirer and and, and other fabulous papers.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Finest <and news. laughs>
1: Fabulous, just fabulous magazines. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the the uh, the the guy who owns the company is named Pecker.
0: Okay, sure. After
1: uh, named. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, um, Jeff was, uh, wanted to move, uh, wanted to have the, the staff in New York, and he didn't want any of them to be the people who were doing it in Florida because he didn't think they were very good. So anyway, eventually he managed to get the, the thing moved, and I was hired to, uh, to be um, um, some kind of editor with a very fancy title. And I uh, continued writing for it and, you know, editing the paper until until the end.
0: And it was it, was it an easy transition from comic books to the Weekly World News? Was that a...
1: I got to say, the weekly, weekly World News was probably the best gig I've ever had. Um, <laughs> yes. It was, um, you know, I was working with friends.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we, That's also, a- we hired Bob Greenberger, who i would known, you know, since we're kids doing fanzines. Nice. Uh, um, uh we hired uh, maddie Blaustein, who had been working at dc uh, really? she, uh, she was our photo uh our photoshop you know uh, photo manipulator. and we had, hired um um, uh, uh, um uh, christine uh, Oh, i'm blanking on her last name i'm sorry but uh uh she she was also working for dc in the layout department she did our you know she was our uh layout manager so they were all like and in fact i get uh, um I start talking to the AMI you know, uh, production manager mm-hmm. and um, he looks at me and goes, you go to Tilden high school. Mm-hmm. It turns out we went to high school together. So it was just, you know. That's awesome. Was, yeah. And, and plus, you know, we had to turn out this 48 page paper yeah. uh, a week, black and white, you know, and, and, you know, so, we were usually done by Thursday. You know, we had, I think our closing was, you know, three o'clock on Friday. We usually pretty much done on Thursday. Yeah. You know, and it was just easy and fun and, and just goofy. I mean, yeah. I, I used to get these, you know, I, I get the, I would get these great phone calls from people, you know, who wanted to give us tips and news and stories. And, um, uh, uh, usually, you know, you play along. We, we were supposed to keep the fiction up, even on the phone, you know, it was like, like nope, world's only wild paper. Every word is true except where it says on page three in four point type that it's not. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, uh, I got a call once from this guy, and he informs me he's a pastor and he's, and he's written a book, and the, uh, it's about his discovery of the location of the um, of the Garden of Eden.
0: Yep,
1: and I think he's goofing on me. So I'm playing along, and then I realize he's not goofing on me. He's very, very serious, and wants to publish. And now I'm getting to you know an area of oh, I'm uncomfortable. This man is obviously unhinged, and I shouldn't be leading him on. But I also so eventually I just go. I I I said you know what this story is. You know, oh, wait. I said that. Um, uh, uh, Finally, I said to him, you know that everything we print is made up. It's all fiction. He goes, oh, I know, but this is real. <laughs> 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 oh, so, yeah, so I said, you know what, this is too big for us. And I gave him the phone number of the New York Times. So I kept all the other New York papers' phone numbers handy.
0: That, that was kind of handy, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> And, and, well, that sounds like fun. We're going to work with friends
0: and, um, and very creative. Uh, I like that idea of you're, you're maintaining the illusion because you, you would then uh, you'd go work for, uh, or you do the uh, WWE kids magazine. Yes. Which is That's a different where, realm where we keep up the illusion of what's happening. Yeah,
2: absolutely.
1: absolutely. Well, you know, the, the, uh, the founding editor of uh, Weekly world news said uh, if a guy calls me up and tells me that his, Toaster is talking to him. I asked him to put the toaster on the line. Yeah, you know, so that was that was how we worked. You know, it's like, yeah. well, let's hear it. Yeah, uh, yeah the the, we, the wrestling was very different. Um,
0: yeah, I can imagine. Uh, yeah. Not as, not as, uh, yeah, probably not. I, 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 have a close friend who did a lot of work, uh, for Prince McMahon and said it was, uh, it was a lot less enjoyable. Uh, but
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it was okay. It's just, you know, um, it was big. I worked at the, uh, the office in, in Stanford, Connecticut, which was great because I lived, you know, 10 minutes away. I was living, you know, it was a 10 minute drive in the morning. Um, but I they were weird. It was just like you know, it was a, a nice enough offices. Uh, you had a great cafeteria, had gyms, and so you know the whole bit. And you know, the, the production manager, whoever this woman comes to me on, like, she said, oh, "We were looking for you on the other day. We uh, Why out not to lunch?" She goes, "Well, we prefer you stay in the building for lunch." Yeah. No, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> I kept going out for, oh, oh, yeah, and I just kept going out for lunch. But um, um, it was just a, yeah, and I was right near, um, uh, what's the son, Sean's uh, office. Yeah, Sean. Uh, Yeah. So with, and, you know, he was supposedly running the publishing end of things, which from what I've heard of Sean makes a lot of sense.
2: Yes, yes. Um, because
1: yes. of the state the magazines were in, even then. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, it just it just wasn't for me. I mean, I know I, knew, I knew nothing about. It. yeah. I was uh, in fact the the way I got the job was I was at DC doing uh, freelance staff work.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I was uh, working for the uh, licensed publishing department, and I was putting together the um, um, getting. Putting together the the uh, showcase presents books, yeah. I was doing like you know fifty of them, and just you know making the book maps and gathering all the material, and you know so, so when they were ready to publish, they just pull them and you know
2: yeah.
1: Um, and so the receptionist, knowing I was there and knowing I you know had been there forever and knew all the answers, uh, put this guy through to me, and he was looking for. Uh, the uh, an editor for the kids' magazine, and uh, could I recommend anybody? And so I recommended me.
0: That's always a good plan. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the right way. Yeah.
1: Tony yeah. Romano. Tony Romano. Yeah. That's his name. Yes.
0: It, it feels yeah. like uh, maybe comparing the two that uh, the the Weekly World News understood that it was fiction, but was keeping up the illusion, and the WWE maybe somewhat understood it was fiction, but was very angry that anybody would question it was
2: fiction it's just
1: yeah, yeah they, it, they were like you know don't don't ever you know we don't talk about fight club you know yeah. kind of stuff yeah, was, yeah. uh, and you know it's like so your your viewers are morons and they don't know this is scripted
2: yeah it's a
0: well, it, it's a weird it's it's a, I, there's a lot of parallels people draw between wrestling and video games and uh yeah. and
2: comics
0: yeah. um, i in all of them so that's that's really awesome
1: yes i did actually um, yeah yeah and it's also in wrestling or video games. So.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's it's also funny that you wrote uh, comics with Peacemaker in it. Then you did stuff with the WWE, and now John Cena is Peacemaker.
1: That's true. Yeah, yeah. Small <laughs> world. Yes.
0: yes. <laughs> Tell me about uh, you. Did the work at uh, at Archie, um, and you got you won a Glad Award for this Life of Archie. um
1: he nominated for nominated.
0: Um, um, for- all right, no, nah, I, I got it wrong, yeah. But it was uh, that was a pretty powerful thing for Archie at the time. I mean, you, you that whole storyline. I mean, all of it was was very different from what they had been doing.
1: Yeah, no, I, I give him a lot of credit for letting me do it. You know, it was um, um, I was hired to write the the monthly, you know, the, the married life stories, yeah. and you know, they said from the start, you yeah. know that just go for it these are real you know this is archie in the real world where you could actually do archie in the real world you know
2: mm,
1: yeah um, and um you know and and when the first thing i suggested was uh we kill miss grundy
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i went go for it
0: yeah really? Even with or, you know
1: miss grundy too. i forgot about that yeah 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 um, you got so, um and then you know later on whatever I throw out you know gun control gay mat well gay marriage they said Kevin's getting married uh, you're, you're writing it um, uh, but um you know but any other storyline uh, you know the, the gun violence stuff the uh, 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 ch- uh, pearl blossoms uh, um, uh, breast cancer mm-hmm. um, you know well it was a ch- blossom. yeah blossom right it did well
0: I I mean it it I think it wound up being a, a turning point for Archie a little bit. I'm going to make a very no. shaky, shaky point, but I, but I think it the, the, you, you wound up coming in and, and the Archie that existed after you did this work has been different. Like it, it you were.
1: The the publisher has said that to me, you know, yeah. I, I, yeah. Um, even, I mean, you know, it wasn't my idea. Originally it was, you know, Michael Eastland, uh originally came up with the concept, but you know, like I'm the one who did it, so
2: yeah,
1: I'll take You should. I mean, you I'm you a movie producer and makes trillions of dollars, and I don't. So I'm <laughs> gonna take it for this one.
0: <laughs> you would take it. I think uh, you you moved the property um that was really needed. It needed to move, mm-hmm. and it's set it up. Now you have you know TV shows and you have all this. I mean, it's 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 basically taken. I think a franchise that was more abundant. Yeah, and and it's it's brought it back to life in a big way. So
1: I mean, I, think I you know, I I I don't know why they chose me to write it, frankly.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, prior to being given the assignment, I had written like a handful of you know teen Archie stories for you know the Digest and things like that. Um, but you know, I turned out, if I do say so myself, to be the right guy for the job. I mean, I yeah, I, yeah. my my feelings about the, you know, about that very issue, about the reality in comics, um, you know, kind of set me up for it. Uh, I, I, di- I, I didn't have the inclination to stay true to the Archie, um, you know, th- that type of story. I mean, I, I think I was very true to the characters. Um, I found them incredibly easy to write. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I read them my whole life, I kind of like, you know, my very first Archie story was, um, you know, Archie volunteers to take uh, Mrs. Uh, uh, Lodge's dog to the, pick up Mrs. Lodge's dog from the rumor and bring him to the dog show. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And of course, you know, he trips and this and that, and he falls. But he manages to save the dog. I was just, you know, after writing that, I went, oh right, that's Archie. He will kill himself. He will fall over himself to do a favor.
2: Yeah. Or something.
1: To see, you know, and that's why at the end when, you know, the guy's pulling the trigger and trying about to shoot um, uh, Kevin Keller, Archie jumps between, you know, the shooter and, and Kevin. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: He done that, you know, for any of his friends. Because that's Archie. Yeah. And then, you know, I did a Jughead story where he, he fools everybody into digging up his backyard for him uh, to, to install a new uh, uh, septic system by making think there might be buried treasure from Al Capone buried there. Yes. Yeah. And there, there's Jughead in a nutshell, you yeah, know, yeah. the this guy in, in Riverdale, but he's also the smartest.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting though, because again, there I feel like there was some memory holding here because you you revitalized it, and then Mark Wade and Fiona Staples came in a few years later, and then the news sites at least and all of that seemed to be acting like someone's finally daring to revamp uh, Archie, and I mean,
1: yeah. it, you know. Again, I am b writer boy. I mm-hmm. can't. I do it. And it's like, oh, that's very good. That's very close. Mark Wade. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, you know. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That that's the way it is. I mean, you know. Okay.
0: I think it's come back a little bit. I, I I agree. There was that moment, but it it feels um, maybe something since Riverdale, Riverdale has been more popular. I hear your name come up a lot more, and it's yeah. it's really, it's it's kind of reinforcing that there was a, a transitional moment, that, like a stake in the ground, and it was your stake that you put in the ground that
2: mm-hmm.
0: caused these other things to happen. So I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad for that. I think it's a...
1: I'm, I am too. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Do you have the pull to bring back Archie 3000? I loved Archie 3000.
1: I uh, no, but I wanted to bring back the, um, uh, you know, the superhero Archie guys.
3: Right, right, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, my, my suggestion for the follow up was not to do a regular ongoing thing, but to do a kind of a, an Elseworlds thing, mm-hmm. where you just do. You can treat Archie the same way we were doing it in Life with Archie, but take all these different worlds, take the you know the, the, the superhero guys, and, and take the you know whatever version of Archie you want, and do six issue arcs about those stories about yeah. you know that version.
0: You could Great. make a whole like Archie multiverse, and then you could give oh. Grant Morris credit. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's more more of a but linear verse. That's
3: the, true.
1: the the, uh, the multiverse was created on my birthday. Yeah. So,
2: right. yeah. Absolutely. And, uh,
1: June fourteenth, in Fla- Flash one twenty three, when he zooms, when he we he, yes. dimensional barriers, yes, Keystone City,
2: mm-hmm. he's.
1: At the uh, uh, he looks at a newspaper on the newsstand, and it's it's the Keystone Gazette, and the date on the newspaper is June fourteenth, nineteen sixty one. The birthday of the of the uh, you know of the multiverse. And June fourteenth is my birthday. So yeah. oh, there you go.
0: That no, yeah. no, it is the uh, I I I always chuckle because the 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 multiverse and and this whole concept of other realities and all the rest. It's like yes, this was invented in. Uh, you know, twenty years ago, by and I think Grant Morrison's a great writer, but I mean, you know, even sure. reading comics, <laughs> that was not the. This was not the first time that came around.
1: It was no, sure. that would be that would be Bob Caniger, yeah, exactly, yeah. and Julie yeah. uh, Schwartz in, in Showcase Number Four,
2: yeah,
1: where, yeah. where they enter, You know, it wasn't they weren't setting up a multiple universe. It was just you know Julie just thought it would be cute to have a reference to the previous Flash and have it be the inspiration for Barry Allen. Yeah. I used to read the adventure, the comic book adventures of a character called Flash, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, he didn't really exist, except we later find out that, you know, Gardner Fox was dreaming these uh uh these these Flash of Earth 2 stories and they really did exist. And that's that's how the universe, the multiverse was was introduced.
3: Did you ever get to meet Bob Kaniger? Oh yeah. Well, what, what was, what was he? Cause he is someone uh, currently, I think is uh, greatly undercredited. Yeah.
1: Oh, Bob was a mad genius.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, and I emphasize the mad. Um, <laughs> he was, he was, he was a nut job. Um, he was a, a, a braggart, you know, he was, he was, uh, um, um, you know, major blimp. He, he, he was, you know, he had a story for everything. He was a, mm-hmm. you know, Scar on his cheek, and tell you about his he had very high nasal voice, and, and very <laughs> good way of speaking. Even he was born in the Bronx and, um, you know, Bronx, and you know, and my dueling scar from Heidelberg. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, he did you know skiing down the mountains with, you know, whatever starlet, you know, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> was <full laughs> of, he was full of shit. But, and he was also a close talker and he worked
2: wow. like, that's the like worst no. bob
1: could talk in my face all day i thought he was the funniest freaking thing i love i love talking to him I mean, you know for all this nuttiness this guy was pretty fucking good sure. and, you know look at what he wrote you know that 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 sergeant rock stuff that he wrote and and um you know geez the metal men. you know yeah. the metal was created like Friday, you know, he's leaving work. And it's like, you know, we don't have anything for, for showcase for Monday They're to assign on Monday. And he goes home and over the weekend creates and writes. Yeah. Where's Metalman showcase story. Yeah. And it's a great concept. I mean, it's not like a thrown together thing. Yeah.
0: No. It is brilliant. I mean, it and the world will excuse a lot of eccentricities if you're brilliant. That's oh, yeah. Yes.
1: <laughs> and you but, know, he, but you know he, he's a fascinating guy. In fact, um, I wrote a murder mystery set in the 1950s in the comics industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same old story, uh, available on Amazon, Ooh. and <laughs> and uh, uh, a thinly disguised Bob Kaniger is the murder victim.
2: Ooh, very
1: Everyone nice. Also,
2: Bob.
0: I do. I, I'll make sure I put a little note at the beginning of this. But uh, if you're listening to every at this point, please do check the description. There's going to be links to a number of things from Paul Coverberg. You got to go check out. Uh, but yeah. you know, But tell us about it today. What what are you What are you up to today? What are your current projects? Yeah. Um,
1: well, I'm preparing a few books for ready for publication. Um, just came out with uh, uh, the son of the unpublished comic book scripts of Paul Coverberg which mm. uh, uh, is the second book of unpublished scripts of mine. The first one uh, came about five or six years ago. It was all the unpublished stories that were meant for the, revi- uh, uh, the revamp of Supergirl and Superboy.
2: Nice.
1: Uh, crisis, but it yep. got in the bud because of crisis.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: um, five scripts that were never, well, two were drawn, but uh, never published. And uh, so I, those scripts. Yeah. Second, has a bunch of uh, Green Lantern uh, stories I wrote um, for Legends of the DCU. Uh, one of the three-part uh, arc called uh, Emerald Interlude, which mm-hmm. is kind of, uh, takes place uh, during the whole Emerald Twilight thing,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: kind of answers a few questions that bugged me about the, the story. One of the few times I've ever gone, no, that's wrong. That needs to be fixed and mm-hmm. to try yeah. to fix. Um, <laughs>
0: The real the, quick, the, the, the first you said this is the, the son of the, the is the first book still in print. Can people still get their hands on that as well? Excellent, yeah. it's excellent.
1: Called the, it's called The Unpublished Comic Book Scripts of Paul Kupperberg and it's also available on Amazon.
0: People got it. So, I, I get a lot of we do we do live streams. We talk to Joe and I talk to people all the time. I'd say one of the, the recurring requests people have is that they love to they, they want to find these scripts that never made it, and they, they want to see this kind of untold history. And so, yeah. here's here's a guy who's written over a thousand books for DC and mm. there's two books out there that you can get your hands on for that. That's and awesome.
1: Be, and there will be a third. I have enough for a, a third that will come out. Uh,
0: oh, that's, uh, yeah. People got to check that out.
1: And uh, I also recently published uh, 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 JSA Ragnarok, which is an original novel uh, uh, that I originally wrote in 2005. Oh, wow. a variety of American novel. But the publisher uh, who was supposed to, who had licensed it and was publishing it, uh, uh, died. Mm -hmm. And uh, his company went bankrupt, so the book never got published. And Now, 16 years later, finally, it is here. Also available on Amazon.com. Very nice. Actually, I spent the last week uh, doing revisions on a novel uh, uh, that's going to be published by a, a, a small press next year. Uh, it's a a young adult novel called Supertown, and nice. uh, it's it's superhero based and themed. Excellent. Um, and what else do I got?
0: I it's got, a, this, is, uh, this is superhero based and themed YA, but it's new characters. It's not. Yeah,
1: a- yeah. it's about a kid who who um, lives in a you can't get here from there, can't get there from here town on the Jersey Shore, and okay. uh, he um, he wants to be a superhero so much. He wears a costume under his clothes in case he has a secret origin. Um, and then due to a series of, you know, weird and strange things, real superheroes and villains do come to town. Yeah, and already
0: That's awesome. I, I hope that does. What I um, I met with the uh, the folks who do Primer, which is one of the books that is uh, all ages for DC, and that one's doing very well. But there there's there does seem to be a thing where if you're doing original characters you do much better than if you're trying to take an existing, like let's make Batman a teenager and see what happens. It's
1: yeah. Well, you know, everybody, you know, they know they're not teenagers. They, you know, they want, yeah, they want, you know, they want the grown up Batman. They want the, you know,
2: yeah. um, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it's, you know, I wrote this, uh, actually I started it when I think my kid was three when I started it and he's turning 25 this month. So, um, there was a big gap there between yes. and finishing it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, um, eventually it all comes around and I've got another young adult novel, um, uh, a standalone, not superhero based. That's with my agent.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, I'm going to be publishing a couple other books this year through uh, crazy eight press, which is a small publishing hub. I'm on, I'm in with, uh, guys like Peter David and uh, Michael uh, Jan Friedman and Bob Greenberger and uh, Dave, uh, uh so... Um,
0: Crazy yeah. press, yeah.
3: Yeah, and yeah. Peter David's got to be one of the only comic writers who's active now that's possibly written more comics than you. Like, I'm trying to think.
1: Actually, you know, it turned out um, several years ago when Paul Levitz was doing that giant hernia book he wrote. Yes, yes. Uh, the History of D.C., I haven't read it yet because I can't afford to hire a spotter to hold it from your on. <laughs> that's what it's um, going to take, yeah. <laughs> but um, he called me one day and he said, I was doing some research, and I came to this, and he goes, you're the 18th most prolific writer, you know, at DC. And it's like, wow, that's, that's cool. cool. You know, that's nice to know. And I yeah. now I think I have been surpassed by, you know, Bendis and, and uh, uh uh jeff johns and you know sure maybe goodness i don't know i'll bet johns doesn't doesn't have
0: i mean he, he writes a, not not a lot though it's in short mm-hmm. period yeah but did. he yeah.
3: did but he, he's a big hollywood guy now so he wouldn't yeah. talk to any of us he's
1: right. who wants to talk to him <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah fair enough yeah but uh but yeah no that that's great and uh crazy 8 press sometimes uh has books on kickstarter too right
1: Oh, sure, sure. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, we're all, you know, we're not a, 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 a publisher per se. Mm-hmm. We are, we're, we're a publishing hub. You know, it's, the, the idea is um, well, there are 10 of us now in Crazy Eight, but um, the idea is that 10 voices are louder than one. So,
2: yeah.
1: all, you know, let's all work under a common umbrella and promote each other.
2: So. Yeah,
0: that's a smart move in, in yeah. today's industry. Yeah. And then you're working with um, uh, Pixie. Is that right for web comics?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, we haven't done, um, several years ago, um, um, uh, Roger McKenzie, more Todd and I, um, I grew out of a Facebook page, but we started, you know, we were, we, we started a, uh, uh a little company called Charlton Neo comics. Mm-hmm. We, we appropriated the old Charlton comics names because mm-hmm. you know, nobody was using it. So what the hell? And, um, we, uh, we, we were publishing a bunch of comics and online comics and, and physical, you know, print comics for a while. You know, eventually that kind of peters out. I mean, I wrote about 300 pages worth of material for that. Wow. Uh, over the few years and, um, um, you know, self-publishing, small press, not the way to riches.
2: So, right. yeah.
1: You know, so that kind of petered out, but you know, last year, um, I did. I wrote. Uh, I published my uh, uh, my guide to writing comics, mm-hmm. uh, and I did it through uh, uh, yeah with, with the Charlton Neo Press uh, uh, imprint. So, yes. and that's Copperberg's yes. Illustrated Guide to Writing Comics. Also available where <laughs> on Amazon.
0: There we <laughs> go. <laughs> Very nice.
1: Uh, Paul, it's,
0: it's been a, a just a massive pleasure chatting with you. I want to say, Joe, did you have any other questions here? I mean, I, I've just been enjoying listening to you and kind of hearing all this. Um, yeah. in your books, I, I think we'll we'll have links to to all of this, but I, I really recommend people go check it out. I, Paul, any thoughts for this industry, the people in it?
1: I haven't had a thought since about I don't know. No, I mean, no, it's like, you know, I don't know this industry anymore. Really, it's um, uh, uh, it's a very different place that. You know, I left DC in, in 2006 yes and um, you know it is such a radically different world yes you know the uh, you know I really don't know who's at DC comics anymore I mean I think a few people I know from from the olden days probably mostly on the business and, and side and stuff are there but you know it's like I don't know what's going on and I don't follow the books because you know, uh, there's not enough space left in my head to try to remember all this stuff anymore. You know? I mean, yeah. in, in
0: fairness, it's not completely clear if if DC knows who's at DC right now either. So that, that helps. Any? <laughs> <Right.
1: laughs> I know. Periodically, I learn that a bunch of people I used to know are no longer there.
2: Um, yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It. it uh, you
1: know, there was something. You know, I I feel kind of like I grew up at DC, like yeah. not with DC Comics. But at DC Comics, you know, when I was a fan in the early 70s and once, you know, they knew your face, they knew who you were. You could walk in there. You could yeah. hang up in the coffee room. You can sit on the couch at the end of the hall. You can have, you know, uh, you know, there was Neil Adams or Murphy Anderson or or, you know, I would sit there and talk to a um, uh, uh Tex and Bill Drought, you know, when they were sitting in yeah. there uh, at drawing boards. And I just got to hang with these guys or or, you know, get, get talked closely to by, by Bob Kaniger. <laughs> uh, my first stint at DC it was in 1977, 78, and I had a cubicle which in the whole in the hallway, you know, divided the office in half. And um, you know, my office was like Julie Schwartz was down this way, and Murray Bolton' was down that way. Yeah, between them was more. Editor, so guys would just hang out at my desk. You know, Dave Verne would hang out at my desk, and like we just talk. So you know. Yeah. It, it to me and, and now it's like i can't go home anymore you know they, they've they moved and not given me a forwarding address
0: <laughs> i mean even without the the current um corona situation and everything else it, it, it we lost that what you're describing has been gone for a while
1: sure. Um, sure. And i mean i know when i was on staff at the time it was still you know everything was a pass key and you know and and uh yeah, you know, and you understand that, of course. You know, you can't be
0: yeah. Yeah. a Snyder yeah. fan can get in there if you don't have well,
1: the fans. Assholes yeah. and me around and bothering people. You know, yeah.
0: yeah, it's just it's it's uh, I don't know. Maybe the the now having talked to to a number of people here, the camaraderie that you describe just sounds wonderful.
2: Yeah, was
0: yeah. like that would be a really key driver to telling great stories as well. And you know, I'm not sure it's been replaced with anything which is kind of a shame.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, well, Paul, thank yeah. you so much for the time here today. Just getting a chance. hope everybody uh, definitely goes. Uh, ch- First of all, you could just go to Amazon, put in Paul Kupperberg, and, and just see a lot of things, but uh, we'll, yeah. we'll have some specific links. Please go check it out. Definitely. If you've been interested in those scripts that, uh, that never got published, Hey, here's your chance. And,
1: and my, uh, uh, my comics book, which really? goes wonderfully with those scripts.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Get the whole set. Absolutely.
1: Um, now Papa taught me never let a plug go by.
0: Please. Uh, go. Yes. And and it's, people gotta remember that these these things are out there. You can go get them pretty easily, so so please do. And uh well Joe, thank you very much for of course as always joining me and, and Paul. Yes. I hope,
2: we can, great. I hope
1: we can I hope we can talk to you again very soon. Be a pleasure. It was a pleasure, and hopefully it would be a pleasure next time, but we'll judge that it.
2: Fair enough. That's that, yeah. that's very fair.